0: 11 million, plus. That's the estimated number of people living in the U.S. who are undocumented. In this show, we'll look to previous administrations to see how they treated people who are undocumented and how immigrant movements of the past responded. One of the first executive orders that Donald Trump has made as president is aimed at defunding sanctuary cities. Los Angeles is one of those cities. There, reporter Bobby Murray sat down with two leaders of the immigrant and civil rights movements.
1: Los Angeles has a strong tradition of sanctuary. Its roots go back to at least the 1980s. That's when U.S.-backed wars in Central America sent hundreds of thousands of refugees north through Mexico and thousands landed here with no legal status. Many had no place to go. Father Richard Estrada was one of those who welcomed them into his church.
2: 1984 is is, uh, when We launched the uh, Sanctuary Movement at La Placita here in Los Angeles. Anyway, there were several churches and temples uh, that uh, came together.
1: La Placita Olvera is one of LA's most historic churches and a powerful symbol in the Latino Catholic community and beyond. During the 1980s, Estrada, along with Father Luis Olivares, who was then the pastor, made the church a center for Central American refugees. They celebrated masses that spoke to the fears and uncertainty and offered meals and support. They opened La Placita as a sanctuary and set up a network and support system for those who entered. People bundled up to sleep in pews and courtyards. It looked like
2: this. When we said sanctuary, they are welcome here. And this is a safe place. They can come here and uh, be... At peace, safe. We will protect them. We will provide, you know, the, not only their uh, spiritual needs, but uh, their m- uh, morale and 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 their social and legal situation. And then we said the doors to the church are open all night. You know, uh, they can uh, sleep here. They can actually be here, and the authorities cannot come in sanctuary. It's not an easy thing. It's all about relations. It's all about us,
1: you know, welcoming the stranger and having
2: a plan and so forth.
1: Angelica Salas has a plan, and it's all about resistance and sanctuary. Salas has been executive director of CHIRLA, the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights of Los Angeles, since 1999. Salas joined CHIRLA's staff just months after the November 1994 elections that saw California voters approve Prop 187. That ballot measure moved to block the undocumented from health care and education. But the election results panicked the immigrant communities and made them feel like targets. cheerless set up a hotline. When we were picking up phone calls of people who were crying on the phone
3: because of Prop 187, who thought their children were going to be picked up at the schools, who you know, that's the kind of reality that we're living now for this country. That's what we lived in in California. But instead of acting um there was fear, but then there was an action plan, and I think we really took an action plan that was political, that was like, okay, we've got to become citizens, we have to register to vote, we have to get activated, and I think that was like unions and organizations, etc. And I, I'm hopeful that, that that our California Prop 187 reaction as a progressive movement is the kind of
1: national reaction we're going to have. Sanctuary. The protection of individuals and rights is critical to that transformation it's not an abstract issue. A teenager came to Chirla and later became a volunteer. Part of the reason she got involved was because her
3: mom was undocumented. Um, ICE came to their door. They didn't open the door, but her mom was being, um, there was an investigative unit and she had a deportation order. So she, the um, ICE came to her door to pick her up, you know, take her away. And so they didn't open the door. Um, The mom hid. And so what ended up happening was that the mom decided to leave, you know, the husband and the child um, behind. I think it was like with an aunt to um, protect the kids. But she decided, you know, like many people who are being sought after to go somewhere else. Well, ICE felt like, okay, this little girl must be in contact with her mom. So let's follow her um, to see if we can find the mom. So... This young woman would uh, talked about how they would follow her and they would follow her every day from her home all the way to her school and do this like in the morning, in the afternoon, in case that following her would lead them to her mom. And so these are the kind of things we know. And so therefore, I feel like what has happened, which I think is wonderful, is that the moral obligation that faith institutions felt they had has been extended to others to say, no, it's not just your churches and your um, and your um, ho- houses of worship. It has to be. It ha- Sanctuary can also be afforded by schools, um, by whole cities, by whole states, um, in order to protect those who are being persecuted and, and who, for whom who others want to punish in such a severe way
1: for simply being undocumented. The city of Los Angeles has not declared itself a sanctuary city but has collaborated with the County of Los Angeles and philanthropic groups to create the $10 million L.A. Justice Fund to provide legal help to those facing deportation. What it is usually from the side
3: of, of any anti-immigrant, like Trump, any city that basically makes decisions to um, not detain individuals with their police force for being undocumented automatically qualifies them to be sanctuaries.
1: Much of the threatened federal money flows through states, counties, and school districts, making a cutoff a complex process. And there's litigation potential. San Francisco recently filed a lawsuit naming Donald J. Trump the defendant. It cited the potential loss of $1.2 billion in annual federal funding. Other jurisdictions are certain to mount legal challenges against federal attacks on their funding. The Trump administration uses the expression sanctuary, but as yet hasn't exactly defined what sanctuary means. So that's why this whole sanctuary city,
3: who's a sanctuary city defined by us is, you know, a city that protects the rights of immigrants and refugees and LGBTQ and Muslim community, you know, so this is happening all over the country, and that now there's more model policies that are being shared. And every day um, that goes by, there's a new campus or a new school that's actually made a sanctuary pledge or there are cities. The first thing we're saying is that what Trump wants to do is unacceptable. The second thing that we're saying, in, in, all, you know, in all the cities, in our schools, is basically making a statement of our values. And our values are ones that we're going to protect people's rights. We're going to protect, these are valuable um, citizens of our city, they're residents of our city, There's contributors, and we're going to use our power to protect them. We're also going to stand up against the policies that have been announced by Trump. And we are going to fight them even if they designate us sanctuary, you know, sanctuary cities for the
1: purposes of not giving us resources. We're actually standing up. The circle of churches and synagogues that Father Estrada worked with in the sanctuary movement in the 1980s is reinvigorated. The circle now includes mosques. Trump's actions appear to have boosted energy in a newer, younger, and broader sanctuary movement that respects and protects a range of people. Everyone knows they're in it for the long haul. For making contact, this is Bobby Murray in Los Angeles.
0: You're listening to 11 Million Undocumented a look at sanctuary and immigrant policy in the Trump era on Making Contact. To find out more about this week's show, check out our website at radioproject.org, sign up for our podcast, or follow us on Twitter. Our handle is making underscore contact. Coming up, we'll hear from a Boston-based activist on his experience as a dreamer, and a conversation with the Center for Constitutional Rights and Immigrant Defense Project about their online report on ICE raids and community arrests.